Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this Tuesday edition of Face the Truth, the weekday podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. As always, I count it a great honor to have you listening, and I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. Real quickly, I want to say that I am thankful our governor has stated she does not intend to extend her stay-at-home order past May the 3rd. Now, we don't yet know exactly what that means for us, as it's my understanding that it is then up to each individual county as to how stringent they're going to be uh, in setting guidelines. So quite honestly, I personally expect our county to continue some, if not most, of the current restrictions. Uh, I feel fairly confident that we may well remain limited as to the size of our crowd. Uh, Hopefully, they'll expand those limits to 50 rather than the current 10, but uh, I am not aware that such expansion is in the county's plan. So we just have to wait and see what unfolds over the next few days. Um, As you know, I have been using these daily podcasts to answer your questions. And if you've not yet submitted a question, please text, email, call, or message me uh, with your Bible questions. All right, let's begin addressing the question of the day question says, how can you really know that you're saved? And what if there's that one little sin that you never made right? Well, in order to properly answer today's question, I believe it's important to begin with a definition of what it means to be saved. Obviously, you can't know you are saved unless you know how to be saved. So let's start there. First, I want to be very clear. Although much of the Christian world today tells people to accept the Lord as your personal Savior in order to be saved, um, there is just not any Bible for that. There is not one scripture anywhere in the Word of God that even comes close to making that statement. Nowhere in the Word of God are we told to accept Christ. And so let me ask you a question. Why would you tell a person to be saved by doing something that the Bible doesn't tell them to do? This is a question that uh, everybody really needs to consider. Furthermore, not only does the Bible not tell us to accept the Lord, it actually says something quite the opposite. I want you to pay attention as I read several verses um, from the Scripture. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 14, 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. 2 Corinthians 5 and 9. Therefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Did you notice a common theme in all of these verses? While the Bible nowhere tells us to accept the Lord, it does tell us we must be accepted by him. There's quite a difference. So if accepting the Lord is not the plan of salvation, then what is? Well, I'm glad you ask. Before I can answer that question, there's something that needs to be established first. We need to recognize that the Bible gives us a clear test for determining truth and error. And the Bible says that test is to compare anything we teach with the teaching of the 12 apostles. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are of God. Now, this is the apostle John, one of the 12. When he says we in this verse, he's speaking collectively of himself and the other apostles. He says we, the apostles, are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, the apostles. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so the Apostle John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, made it very clear that they, the apostles, were of God. And that anyone who will not listen to what the apostles said is, quote, not of God. He then went on to say that this is the factor in determining and discerning truth from error. Obviously, whatever the apostles said to do to be saved must be the true plan of salvation. So considering that fact, let's find out what the apostles said. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now I want you to notice this question of how to be saved was directed to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Therefore, although the next verse records the words of Peter, we have to understand Peter was speaking on behalf of all of the apostles. They were in total unanimous agreement with everything that Peter is about to say. This means that Peter's answer was the apostles' answer. His response was their response. And their answer is the right answer. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39 gives the answer to the question, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, isn't it interesting that Peter did not say, accept the Lord as your personal Savior? In fact, Peter did not say, just believe on the Lord and you're saved. Rather, Peter gave a very detailed answer to the question, what shall we do? And remember, the answer Peter gave was the unanimous consent of all the apostles. Peter said, what you've got to do to be saved is this. First of all, repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you, determine to turn from those sins. Then, he said, be baptized. Now notice this. He didn't say, be baptized, calling the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, as most churches do today. Peter said, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then he said, we must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he followed that with the promise that this applies to everybody, you, your children, everyone that's afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So this is what it takes to be saved. This is the answer to how we are saved. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. So having established that fact, let's now return to the first part of today's two-part question. The question was, how can you really know that you're saved? Well, To begin with, if you've obeyed the scriptural mandate outlined in Acts 2.38, then you should have enough faith in the truth of God's word to believe that you have been saved. But the original question, however, goes on to address a deeper underlying situation. After asking how can you really know that you're saved, the listener asks, what if there's that one little sin that you never made right. This part of the question takes things to a whole new level. It's based on the fact that the scripture teaches no sin can enter into heaven. So what if after you've obeyed Acts 2.38, there is sin in your heart? If sin can't enter heaven, what happens then? Revelation 21:27 before I get too far in this, Revelation 21:27 there shall in no wise enter into it speaking of that city anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now the English Standard Version says, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. So obviously no sin will enter that holy city. So what if there is that one sin? Well, if you know that one sin is present, the answer should be obvious. Make it right. God wants to forgive you. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Get that. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants you to come to repentance. God doesn't want you to be lost. He wants you to repent. Furthermore, if you will repent, he will forgive you. 1 John 1 and 9. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, suppose that there is that one sin that you don't know is present. What do you do then? Well, again, repentance is more than just something you do one time in your life. Repentance ought to be a lifestyle. It ought to be a daily part of your prayer. In fact, I try to pray a prayer of repentance every morning during my daily prayer time. For me, I like to include a part of the prayer of repentance that's found in Psalm 51. Uh, Verses 10 and 11 of that psalm, David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I try to pray those words every day. I'll spend time asking the Lord to reveal to me if there's anything in my heart that I need to deal with. Now remember, he doesn't want you to be lost. So he's not going to keep something this important hidden from you if you're willing to ask. I also spend time simply telling him that if by chance I really have done something or said something or thought something that I should not have, I sincerely want him to forgive me for that. Even if I don't know that I've done it, I want his forgiveness. David, again, prayed this kind of prayer. Psalm 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. The common English version says, Forgive me when I sin without knowing it. I like that. I believe God hears that kind of prayer or he would not have included it in his inspired word. Having said all of that, there's something else that really needs to be addressed. You need to understand it's the devil's business to make you live under a cloud of guilt and fear. The devil wants you to constantly believe there is unforgiven sin in your life. Now, why would he want you to believe that? Because if he can convince you that there is some sin present and thereby convince you you're going to be lost anyhow, then he can convince you, just give up. Just quit trying. You're going to be lost. There's sin there, so just give up. Look, we need to understand there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. God brings conviction. He tells you, if you've done something wrong, And then he forgives you when you repent. The devil, on the other hand, brings condemnation. That's a feeling of guilt over something you've already repented of or just guilt in general with no explanation. Now look, when it comes to condemnation, which is what the devil gives you, the Bible tells us something very, very important. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Did you get that? There is no condemnation. Don't let the devil drag up what's under the blood. And certainly don't let him mess with your mind by telling you there's some, quote, unknown sin that's going to cause you to be lost no matter how hard you try. If the guilt you're feeling is from God, 
then God will always tell you why you feel that way. Either he'll speak to you when you're praying, or he'll speak to you through the preaching, or he'll speak to you as you read his word. But God will always tell you if the guilt is from God. But if you continue to feel guilt and there's no explanation, just write it off as the devil's condemnation. And that's something that has no place in the heart and mind of those which are in Christ Jesus. Hold your head up, child of God. God is not looking for a way to exclude you. He gave his life to include you. He wants you to be saved. And by his grace, you will be. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please let me remind you that we're here to help you in any way we can. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to contact us. Let me remind you to send your prayer requests to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. Send your Bible questions in. Give me the opportunity to answer them for you. And also, this is Tuesday. Don't forget to tune in to tonight's midweek service. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.